Welcome to the Family Biz Show. According to Family Enterprise USA, family businesses in the U.S. account for over 64% of GDP and employ 62% of the workforce. In other words, they are the backbone of our economy. But success doesn't come easy. Only 13% are operating in the third generation. The Family Biz Show is here to help. Listen in weekly to hear stories from other family businesses and industry thought leaders so that you and your family not only survive, but thrive. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Family Biz Show. I am Michael Columbus with Family Wealth and Legacy in Rochester, New York, and we've got a great show for you today. We're talking with uh, members of the Sessler companies, um, and the you know, title of the show happens to be that company's core purpose, which is making th- making great things happen. I almost can, right? Make, making great things happen. Um, and so I'm super pleased to have Jane Schaefer and Brian Sessler with us here today. Jane is the president of um, Sessler Excavating and Wrecking, and Brian is the president of um, Sessler Environmental Services. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. You got it. So the way we typically start the show off is um, just ask everybody to kind of give a little bit of a journey of how did you end up working in the family business? And um, everybody's journey seems to be a little bit different. We have those that, you know, dive right in feet first. Um, and we have others that take the long road, road like myself when uh, I, I got part of, you know, working with my father. So Jane, why don't you kick us off and uh, tell us about your journey? Well, actually, you know, you're born right into the family and the family business. And I was constantly at my mother's knee learning different office techniques and processes and was her assistant from a very young age. I didn't know that checking all of those red marked checks on the statement was really reconciling a bank statement. I thought it was a fun rainy day activity. She just had me doing to keep busy. You know, so there were all kinds of tasks that that all of us kids did growing up with our parents. And even on through high school, I had learned how to read the time clock at the metal fab and how to do payroll and learned typing and shorthanding from my mother and continued right through school through the different entities that our company and our family had. Uh, went off to college, came back, went to Seneca Army Depot, worked in the admin building, and then worked for the engineering department, which further enforced my background in the construction business and working closely with the Corps of Engineers. Then I was married and moved to Syracuse and went to work for the IRS and learned all of their little interesting facts and tidbits that also helped me in the later years, moved back to Waterloo and continued working with the company. Our father had multitude of health issues and my mother's time was taken away from the office quite a bit. We were basically a 
one person office located in our home. So they had asked me if I could come on full time, uh, which I did and I've been here ever since. It's been 42 years now. So okay, yes, grew up with the family and pitched in and helped wherever I could and then moved in full time. Congrats, cool, thank you for sharing. Brian, how about yourself? Well, uh, kind of like uh, Aunt Jane just told everybody, uh, being born into a family business means about the first time you can walk, you're, you're off, you're doing something for the family business, whether you know it or not. Um, uh, naturally, uh, in the industries that we're in, uh, big toys, big excavators, you know, big sandboxes, uh, anytime as I was growing up, I had the chance to go to work with dad or grandpa or or whatever I could do to just be involved, you know, I, that's how I kind of got introduced to the, to the family business, go out and see the job sites and everything else. And so I personally grew a, you know, there's a fascination, you know, for the type of work that we did. And it was just really interesting. And, and, uh, and as I went through high school, you know, you you, you, you try to spend the weekends up at the shop and, and, and get to know all the equipment and, and everything else. And then fast forward to after graduation, I did go to college for, for, uh, uh, for a little bit. And then I came back to uh, the family business uh, starting in 2002. Um, and I've been working ever since. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, walk us through, if you wouldn't mind, kind of set the landscape of um, the family members in the business, you know, so the company was started by Brian B., your grandparents, right? Yep. So give me a little bit of, you know, how, how that worked out. Jane, do you want to walk us through that? Your, your sure. parents started it when? Our parents, Vernon Barb Sessler, started the Sessler Companies in 1958, and they started it with a, with a 1952 Ford 9N tractor backhoe which our father promptly painted pink. Some said it was the cheapest darn paint he could get. Others said it was a marketing whiz. And uh, it spent, was pink um, for a couple of years. And then we went to our traditional colors of blue and yellow. So it was started by our parents, 1958, 64 years ago. And it was doing basements and septic lines and different small projects. And then um, through the 60s, he started into a little bit larger and we kept growing and adding employees and finding our niche in the bridge demolition, which we've now expanded quite a bit. Great. And then, so your, your parents passed the business on to whom? Who, who is the next so, generation? So the first generation obviously was Vernon Barb Sessler and the second generation is myself and my two brothers, Craig Sessler and Laverne Sessler Jr. Gotcha. As I'd mentioned earlier, our father had a lot of different health ailments, but so did our mother. And our mother uh, passed away at the very young age of 59. And when mm -hmm. she passed away is when the succession and the transfer of the companies went to generation two. So it was in 1997 that Craig, Vernon, and I uh, became the next active generation on, generational owners 
other company. And our father also died at a young age at 66. And he was still very active uh, or as active as he could be at those times. Matter of fact, during those times is when he, as a true entrepreneur, was starting a lot of other little businesses. We had Sessler's Happy Days, which was a soda fountain. We had Sessler's Best 18, miniature golf course in Florida. We just had a multitude of, of different things. We had Vern's hot dog stands um, throughout New York State. So even though he was quote unquote retired from the demolition business, his entrepreneurial spirit still lived on and that spirit lives on within each one of the family members. As we were coming through the ages besides Craig, Vern and I, as Brian said, all the boys with G3, except for my daughter, is all boys. So we have a lot of Sessler boys funneling up through the companies. So we have, um, through, the, through the transitions, we've had Craig's four boys, Dan, Brian, Jeff, and Kevin, and we've had uh, Laverne's family, Laverne and Nick, who have come through the business. And as we all know, when you bring that many family members together, sometimes it gets too crowded or it squashes others' entrepreneurial spirits. And it is quite common in a lot of family businesses, some need to find their own way and have. And the oldest, Daniel Sessler, has captured that entrepreneurial spirit of his grandfather and he has branched off to start his own company and he is doing very well. And so we still have five of G3 is what we call the third generation in the company. And you know they range in age from the mid twenties to the late thirties. So we have quite a ladder of succession that's coming into place. Sure, thank you. Um, Brian, you know, walk me through, you know, you started in 2002, you said, yep. and you know, you, you, you joined the family business. What was, what was it like for you then versus, you know, and, and your, and your siblings versus what's going on today? Walk us through and, and what do you, you know, the, the conversations, maybe there was, you know, some, through the years, there was probably some different conversations that happened between you and, and G2. Yeah. Um, so when I started, it was, uh, um, which, which I applaud, I give, I give G2 a lot of credit because when I tell you there was no silver spoon, I mean, there was really no silver spoon. It was, it was, um, you, we started at the shop, sweeping the shop floor. Uh, you were the low man on the totem pole on the job sites, uh, working out in the field and, and, uh, and, and, and we essentially had to earn our way right up through the business, you know, from, from being the labor on the job site to then the foreman to an operator to the superintendent. You know, there's a lot of different uh, levels, you know, that we had to climb up through. So for the first, um, I'm going to say for the first 12 to 15 years of, of, my, uh, uh, of my career at the Sessler Companies was was involved a lot at the, uh, mostly in the demolition company. Again, starting from the labor to, 
to growing all the way up to heading uh, in 2016, uh, 2015, 2016, you know, myself and at the time my brother Dan was involved and, and we were the heads of operation for the entire, uh, for the entire Sessler Wrecking um, uh, Company. And, and that's about the time that, you know, I had met the family through my father years before. I remember being in the blue building upstairs one time for a meeting with the, the three of you, maybe in probably about the time you started, Brian. Um, I think my dad was kind of taking me around because he was excited that Michael had joined the business. Um, and then, uh, but it was 2015, 16, as dad was getting ready to retire, that uh, that we started, you know, interacting together. Um, so, Michael, when we're yeah. talking about that time frame, that's when we started thinking of transition succession planning. So, much kudos to your father and to our parents. They were proponents of planning. Yeah. And uh, our parents had engaged, you know, your father Marty, and worked with him on. Um, structuring their estates, even though their estates were small, they were structuring their estates and how should things look and how do we move forward? How do we keep what they started as the Sessler legacy moving forward? So in 2012 is when Craig Vernon and I were firming up succession plannings and looking at what's the direction we want this family and the companies to go. And at that time, I was appointed officially as president of Sessler Wrecking. And we became established as one of the premier woman business enterprises in the demolition field, um, not only in New York, but throughout the Northeast. And Craig and Vern and I further grew the company and bringing in the multiple talents that each of G3 had. And part of that planning was working with a variety of consultants to make sure that G3 had the skill sets and the training and the preparation necessary. And part of that 10 year plan that we were working on was how to further diversify the assets of the company. What is the best transfer mechanisms and at that time is when we started two more additional companies. One was Sessler Equipment, which became the um, entity of which we purchased all the construction equipment in. But what we did was we started the, the Sessler Equipment in G3's name. So all the assets were beginning to evolve into G3 transitional. And then through that, trying to look at what other aspects and avenues were available that we regularly were already in in environmental was the area that we chose. So shortly after the establishment of Sessler Equipment, we established in generation three, the Sessler Environmental Services, which after much discussion, it was that Brian would head up that division become the president of that company. So by the mid, um, so right around 20, what about 2015, 2016? 
exactly. we had already developed the two G3 owned companies that are vital parts to the Sessler companies. So, so the Sessler equipment would purchase the equipment and then lease it to both Sessler Wrecking and to Sessler Environmental. And that's when the force and the gravity of G3 and bringing everybody in and getting everybody on the same roadmap for succession. So can I, I, there was a conversation, I remember in 2015, sitting around the conference room and see if anybody else remembers this, this conversation. Um, you know, and you had, you know, um, Sessler excavating and wrecking was there, equipment was there at the time. I think SES started in 16. 2016, yep. we incorporated, and I believe the equipment company was 2014. Right. So the equipment was bef before I started, to, you know, talking with you, and the conversation I remember, and, and feel free to say, Michael, you're making that up. That's, but the conversation I remember is, you know, SEW had kind of, I don't want to say plateaued, but you guys had, you, you were taking everything you needed out of it. And and it, and it had and it had done a really good job of you know caring for and providing lifestyle for the three G two families as as they were, and I somebody said you know and it might have been you Jane so tell me if, if I'm remembering this right is what fed three families can't feed you know five yet alone all eight of us. So how are we going to, you know, we, we've got to do something differently. Do you remember that conversation? I do. And that was a, a mimic of a conversation that my father's brother, Bob Sessler, had said to me back in the early 80s before I joined the family business, saying, you know, the company, your father isn't doing well. I don't know if it can support another family, don't leave your government job. Well, as true as the Sessler spirit and how stubborn we can all be, we said, well, the heck with that and um, joined the Sessler family and grew it from supporting just one family to then Craig, Vernon, and I to four families to then to generation to eight families. But we knew that through the structure changes that wrecking alone could not do that in the way that it was currently set up. And that's why we had to look at the other support avenues of companies, not only to support wrecking, but also within wrecking, we further diversified those and took on a much stronger role, not only in the bridge demolition, but in establishing the building and the large commercial demolition so that we have two very distinct divisions with leadership groups, which you know now we're supporting between all the companies, and this is where I get goosebumps, between all the employees of our companies, we are currently supporting over 120 families. That's awesome. Um, sometimes you know, with the seasonal help, we can be up to 200 families. And every morning that I get up, I'm cognizant of that. It's not just, is the Sessler family okay? It's, are the employees okay? Where are we? You know, we have to make sure that the whole team, you know, it's not just the Sessler family, it's the Sessler team 
across to all companies and then we have to make sure we treat the employees well and that we are treating that that we're treating them well and they feel appreciated so that we can all work together for each other's benefit yeah Donna, that's great and, you know a matter of fact I, i'll come back to that in a second i don't know if one of if either one of you knows the the company values by heart but i know that you know when you do i just saw it recently on a linkedin uh, ad where you're you're hiring and you know you posted here's our company you know our, our company values and and i know that those values are alive and well in the company just when i meet the employees i don't have to meet a family member you know you can see it alive and well in the in the employees that uh, work you work with today um brian you know i, I want to talk about the business itself and I, you know i want to talk about you know jane you know talked about the fact that there was a time when it was digging out basements and pools and you know small jobs and when when you got involved in the company what was you know what were some of the big jobs that were happening for you you know at the time and then what were some of the things that you know as you were going through the years say up and you know before SES started what were some of the things and how did you grow and how did you you know, add to your capabilities through that period of time? Yeah. Um, I would have to say when I first started, uh, the company was more, it was more local. The first um, probably five years or so of, of uh, myself entering the business, we were more of a local company. We hit the, uh, you know, we had that, you know, 100 mile radius around us type of mentality. And Every now and then we'd go a little bit further, but as uh, as time went on, um, I noticed and looking. I didn't realize it at the time, but as I as I sit and I reflect back, I could see the growth of the company. And then all of a sudden, hey, you know, we're we're over here in Massachusetts, and hey, we're up here in Vermont now, and hey, we're you know. Then we kind of conquered uh, in a good way. We conquered the uh, New York City market. I remember the. I can kind of remember, you know, the first couple jobs back in 2001. Um, uh, you know, I can remember some of those, uh, you know, the jobs going on down there. And then we caught some big contracts down in the Southern Tier. So I've enjoyed, uh, you know, the, the, the course of my career has enjoyed the, the uh, watching the company grow and, and truthfully not even realizing what we we're doing. I, you know, in my head at the time, it was like, hey, I got a job over here. I got to go do this job. And and uh, lo and behold, it's a roadmap to where we expanded to now we cover um, basically the entire Northeast. You know, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to get a little specific because there's a, there's a couple of things through the history that I think are important for you guys to share. One was, you know, in the, in the, in the demolition of bridges, if I'm not mistaken, there was a, a patent along the way that, you know, some innovations that came from them. And then, you know, when we talked, you know, about strategy back in 2015, before we, you know, before we, things really started to get rolling um, the way they are. And, and, and let me give you a kudos real quick. You know, in, a, in the U.S., the amount of companies that, um, you know, are, do, do annual revenues of a million dollars or less is about 93% of businesses. 
the number of companies that do revenues between one and $10 million is, uh, is about 6%, okay? To do over $10 million of revenue is less than 1%. And to do, you know, more than $100 million is like a quarter of 1%. And, and you guys, you know, have a lot to be proud of in order to feed, you know, and, and house, you know, over 100 different families. We know that the revenues, you know, are, are well north of, you know, the $10 million range. Um, so I'm not talking out of school or anything, but, um, you know, to get there, you know, that's not where you started when you two, when the three of you, Jane, Craig, and Vern took over the company. Um, you were below that $10 million mark, you know, and you, you know, had surpassed some things, but there was creativity and innovation. And the, the thing that I remember that I, you know, the thing that I think is something to be really proud of is um, you always said, give us the most technically difficult jobs and this family will figure out how to get it done. So, you know, talk about, you know, a couple of the jobs, Brian, where you sit there and say, technically, these were some of the toughest things that we did. Yeah. Um, some of the, uh, so as we mentioned earlier, bridge demolition was a, a, a niche for us. And we've got, you know, we've got the reputation of being the premier bridge demolition contractor, um, especially, you know, east of the Mississippi. So the uh, some of the technical jobs that we would get into are large drawbridges that have massive, you know, million pound counterweights and, uh, you know, a lot of building and bridge implosions that uh, uh, you're dropping bridges into the bottom of a lake and you gotta use scuba divers to go down and retrieve them off the bottom of the lake. And then um, a New Jersey turnpike where they decide, hey, we wanna, we want to widen the entire thing and rip out, you know, 25 bridges. And here we go. We're going to rip out 25 bridges on the New Jersey Turnpike to all at um, the same time. All, all at the same time. Okay. Yeah. And so, uh, and then we um, we did some uh, uh, jobs that involved a lot of underwater concrete removal. So we had to utilize GPS type equipment because obviously you can't see underwater, and we had to reach. Um, um, to the depths of 40 foot below sea level um, to reach reach the uh, concrete, you know, massive amounts of concrete to come out. And, and, and naturally the bridge demolition, you know, there's inherent engineering uh, techniques that you got to use. And, and um, you know, and we pride ourselves with the amount, with the level of engineering that we have in-house and, and the consultants that we use. Uh, um, it's the team that, you know, really helps us uh, tackle these technical projects. Great. So along with that, you had talked about the patents. So back in the early 19, um, around 1990, 92, um, my brother, our brothers, Craig and Vern had developed three different patents. And these um, patents are still in effect. They have worked wonderful for the company. Uh, between our wing um, attachments to our trailers, to the barge projects that we do um, that really help to catapult the bridge industry where we work. So Craig and Vern just had that spirit. They weren't engineers and they weren't trained engineers, 
but from the work experience and looking to see what needed to be done and how we could streamline had taken their ideas and further developed them, had them proved out and obtained these very important patents for the Sessler company. Yep. Great. So it, it, I want to, the wing trailers, you know, it's, it, you got a trailer, the wings pop out underneath the bridge so that when the bridge falls down, it captures all of the, you know, the debris, right? And, it, and it, at the, you know, when, when you see it and you, and you think about it, it's like, well, of course that makes perfectly good sense. But somebody had to be going through there and, you know, they dropped that bridge and you're going, sending people left and right to pick everything up or equipment left and right. And, you know, one, one device, you know, really made a huge giant difference for the work that you did. So yeah. kudos to your ingenuity and, uh, you know, how you, how you looked at things. And, I, and that continues today. I know, you know, in conversations that we've had um, both with G2 and G3, you know, one of the things that they have said is that innovation and that ability to look at those difficult jobs. There's not a job that the Sessler family, when it comes to demolition and environmental, you know, work that you'd probably shy away from at this point. Um, yeah, I, I remember, you know, watching videos of the implosion of some of the Eastman Kodak buildings, which just amazing when you watch the timing behind there. Um, I know a couple of years ago, you even, you even left the, you know, the, we're typically on the, the East Coast. You went to the Midwest. Tell us about, you know, what was that project like? So uh, out in Michigan, I assume that's the project you're talking about. We were hired to decommission a, uh, a, uh, an old uh, uh, General Motors, I believe it was General Motors, um, uh, power plant. Um, obviously, the car manufacturer they had their own power plants out there, and and it was a uh, it was a large uh, boiler house. I think it contained uh, uh, seven different uh, boilers on the inside, and so we were hired. Sesslers were hired to go there to uh, decommission the entire plant, the entire facility, which was. You know, we took on all of the uh, environmental components, you know, from the asbestos to the PCBs to the universal waste. Um, and then and then uh, we commenced the demolition. And that demolition also included a 110-foot-tall uh, boiler house uh, that we did, uh, we did have to. We didn't have to, but we imploded to bring it down um, because that was the safest way to do it. Awesome. That's uh, it, it's fun stuff. I, you know, as a kid, I remember having my sandbox, Brian, that, you know, my father, Marty built this giant sandbox for us and I had the big old Tonka trucks. And so every time I pull, you know, pull into, you know, the, the pull in the driveway or the parking lot and, and, and see those giant excavators and whatnot, it's, uh, you know, you, you understand it's sometimes it probably doesn't feel like going to work when you when you get the chance to, you know, to be thinking about how are we going to do these things. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, and Brian, so you talked about all of the, you know, I call it the boys' toys, right? So whenever we would purchase the new excavator, one of my nephews would always claim it. Is that mine? Is that my new birthday present? Can I operate it first? You know, so uh, it was like, oh no. And, and all the excitement about the real life. And uh, all of the Sessler boys have all to 
torn down their first house at a very young age, right? It's like, oh, yeah, let's go down to the old uh, PNC or the Save-A-Lot and, you know, whose turn is it now to get in the excavator, you know? Um, of course, supervise, make sure everything is safe and in compliance. But those were like the, um, I don't know, the training wheels, you know, for, for everybody. And, you know, we're as we're talking with Brian and myself, you know, we have to make sure that we're talking about the other people in G3 and the impact that they have on, on the company. Right, Brian? So Absolutely. if, if you gonna, don't mind, gonna... I just would, you want me to wait? Yeah, because I'm going to come to that in a second because there's, there's a lot of, I think there's a, a few other pieces I just want to set up real quick. Okay. Um, My light went out. Uh, Brian, hip, uh, to talk about, um, wow, what was it? I forgot what I was going to say. That's all right. Um, well, let's do this. Let, let's just back up to that 2015 when I was introduced to the family at a different level. Um, if you don't, you know, so at the time you've got Sessler excavating and wrecking and Sessler equipment, paint the picture of what's going on at that point. You were, you know, four, three years into a, into the transition plan that was put together by my father and your accountant and attorney at the time. And that's really key. You guys have always been really good at making sure that you, put all of the advisors together so that they could beat out and talk to each other. And, you know, the pros and cons of each of the different scenarios could be worked through by putting the team together. And that's really smart because, you know, one of the things that we've learned through the years and I learned from my father is that, you know, if I press on one button, there's a, it's like a lever, something else happens. And so you need to know what all of those different things are. And you don't know the tax aspects if it's, you know, if you're just approaching it from a legal perspective, you know, or what the financial perspective is or the estate plan, you know, perspective and all of those things are, you know, come from, you know, when you have the level of success that the family's had, um, you have to be careful of all those different pieces. So Brian, do you want to- but to go along with that, Michael, is we always found great time value and fiscal value in bringing all of the components together to the same table, right? Like, let's talk out the taxes and the legal and the succession and the estate, and let's get all the players together, schedule it, we're all in the same conference room, and let them all feed off each other right? Instead of having the meeting with the attorney who's now going to call the accountant, and a week later we might get that response, which further impacted the estate, we need to bring in that person. So Craigburn and I would talk about, we'd bring everybody in, and all of a sudden the conversation would migrate, you know, between all of those advisors, and we would just sit back and watch it happen, and then come back together, like, okay, this is what everybody's marching orders are. And it was, it saved a lot of time and energy because everybody was at the same moment in the same conversation, not diluted by a week or a month. So yeah. we are 
like strong proponents of that. Bring everybody together. Don't worry about the cost of the hourly for this one or that one. Bring them all together and get the interaction going. It all at the end of the day, uh, you know, and I I have been a big proponent of that myself, as you know. But at the end of the day, it saves time and money. And what one of the things that I've learned, you know, and I think you've seen this, is that it's not comfortable for every single one of the advisors. A lot of times, especially when you get really good advisors, um, there's this, you know, this ego thing that happens and I'm supposed to be leading or, you know, where things are. And, you know, what I've learned is everybody just needs to set the egos aside and just serve. And when that happens, the magic happens because an idea sprouts out of, like you said, Jane, you know, the, the accountant says something or the attorney or the, the wealth advisor, or the, you know, says something different, the business coach. And it's like, oh, we missed that, you know? So you know, like one of the, the things that I think was fabulous is, you know, when you started the equipment company, you didn't start it in the name of G2, you know? And so the ownership was already stuck, you know? So here's a company that was, you know, non-existent, no assets were, you know, did no value at that point. And then you started that building the value in the next generation. And that's, you know, generational allocation of the assets. So, um, all right. So we're going to, we're going to paint the picture, Brian, from your perspective, think about around that 2015 timeframe from G3's perspective, what's happening. Yeah. So in 2015, not all of the members that are present in the business now were active at that time. I, I don't know exactly which ones were, but I know, I, I do believe my brother Dan was involved. I was obviously involved. Uh, my brother Jeff was involved. And I'm not sure if Kevin was involved at that point or not. Um, so at this, at this stage in, in our career here, you know, we're coming out of the field and we're kind of entering, you know, you know, flirting with the idea, I'll say, of entering into the office and management side of things. All the while, you know, we started with the transition. I, the business, uh, the wrecking business was, uh, it was doing pretty good at the time, I believe. Aunt Jane might be able to correct me, but I know we had, we did have a couple struggling years because, and a lot of it, I think, was due to, there's just a lot of mouths to feed and everyone is literally just trying to find their place in the business because um, it was confusing a lot for G3. It's like, well, what are we supposed to be doing? We're not, we're not really sure. Should we have a shovel in our hand or should we be over here, you know, with a computer and trying to figure out the next job? We're not really sure. Trying to learn our, our place is the best way I can explain that. So at the, at the time of, uh, at the time we had uh, the equipment company and then, you know, the, just the, the talks and you might have been involved in a lot of the talks uh, about how do we, how do we one transition the company from G2 to how do we essentially grow the family business? You know, what are we going to do? Because as we touched on earlier, you know, we're multiplying, you know, there's going to be a lot more family members that we've got to feed. Um, and, and almost as equally as important, you know, we're all entrepreneurials and, and we, we need that, you know, we want to kind of drive something ourselves and develop something ourselves. And, and, um, you know, for a long time, the families talked about the environmental arena, how it coincides with the demolition and, 
and everything else. And it could utilize a lot of the same equipment. And we talked about a lot of different uh, avenues. Uh, and that was the one that kind of stuck in. Um, at the time we, we went to market and we found a couple of uh, experts that really assisted us in starting up that business and uh, uh, the environmental business and, uh, and got it going. And it was a rough couple of years in the beginning, but but it's really flourished uh, since then. Pretty proud of it. Nice. I'm gonna come back. I've got some other questions for you, but Jane, from your perspective, 2015, what's G2 thinking? In 2012, when we embarked on this 10 year, um, Craig, Vern and I are still young, right? <laughs> we're still young today. And we're looking like, oh, wouldn't it be great to be able to sit back and retire and be out of here in 10 years because we're the day-to-day -day grunting it out, right? And then as we get going, it's like G3 is coming in and I'm not telling tales out of, out of school, but it's like all of a sudden I, they start to feel entitlement, right? And it's like, what do you mean you think you're entitled to this or entitled to that? So that was a push between G2 and G3, right? And at each one was trying to find their foothold, right? G2 is like, we're still here and you still need to do this, right? <laughs> so working with yourself and other consultants was for each side to see what the other side was seeing and feeling and experiencing to help work through that. And that's where the art of communication is very important so that G2 and G3 are understanding and that we can get into each other's heads. Even though I don't want to get into some of their heads because some of those, things <laughs> those guys are thinking, I don't want to know. But um, so it, it was a tough, you know, the last five years have been very transitional for the companies and for the family, as we began to better respect the um, younger ones, the G3, and to see that, wow, look at what they've learned and what they're doing and their ideas have merit and they're successful. So it was like trying to learn how to loosen the grip as you're doing the pass off, right? but still keeping a hold of the tail to make sure it's still steering in the right direction, right? So when you have that much testosterone within a family business, you know, and it, it gets difficult, right? <laughs> Poor Jane. They, they've all worked together and are learning how to do that. And as we mentioned um, with all these young men, and learning the skills, they're each finding their own nook of expertise or what they would like to do, right? Yeah. Which is which is great. Everybody's falling into, we have a good road plan, a roadmap going through. We're coming to the end of our 10 year succession. And um, even though the last three years have been rough, because we're like, holy crap, we're getting close. Where are we? Who's gonna do what? So it's all the strategic planning on both sides and the open communication. Yeah. And I re so one of the things, do you mind talking about, you know, 
between 2015 and 16, there were some Saturday meetings and do you, that, that I was happened to be a part of with, with the family. Do you remember those meetings, Brian? I do. Do you want to just talk about that a little bit? Because I think that that along with, and if you don't mind me, you know, using his name, the other consultant that, that came in, is that okay? Sure. Yeah. So Jeff Savlov came in and Jeff really, you know, there was an, and it came from the Saturday meetings at some level. So talk about the Saturday meetings that we were doing. Yeah, uh, I think we touched on it earlier a little bit. You know, we're all trying to find our place and uh, it's uh, specifically G3 is trying to find a place in the business. And and at the same time, I think G2 is saying, what what are you guys doing? You're, you know, you should be doing something different or, you know, or what are you doing? It, it, it was It was a tough time. Uh, and then at the same time, we, uh, as the G3, as we started uh, um, to elevate within the businesses and take on leadership roles, I think, uh, I think some members felt that uh, uh, they were being left behind. Uh, they weren't quite, uh, it wasn't the dream that they once had. They weren't going to be in charge of everything. And the partnership that a family business uh needs in my opinion at least the partnership uh I, i'm not so sure that that partnership was there so those saturday meetings with uh with yourself and jeff was was trying so I, I apologize the, the when we first started the saturdays jeff wasn't involved if you remember we pulled out a book and it was like a, it was like a book club meeting where we pulled out you know Vern harnish's book scaling up the scaling up yeah and, and started okay. to say you know what are other companies doing to get through this stuff? And that's okay. where, you know- I apologize. I was, no, I was no, thinking no, of the other okay. Saturday meetings. Um, so the, 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 the scaling up that we started doing, that really, in my opinion, that was at my point in time, that was when things just started clicking for me. That was me, part, I'm, I'm speaking specifically for me, uh, but I think it affected everybody. But at that point in time, it just, it opened our eyes like, Hey, you know, you know, we've got to, we've got to be working on this business, not just in the business, we've got to do it together. And it kind of, at that point in time, I believe is when, is when, you know, the, the throttles went back forward and, and the entire family was, you know, working together. We knew, we knew where we were going. We knew what we wanted to do. And, and, uh, and we are figuring out pretty quickly how we we're going to get there. Yeah. And, and, and that, as those things started to unfold the way I, you know, going back, as those things started to unfold, that's when some of the, I don't want to say, it wasn't personalities, but it was like, wait a minute, we're growing and we're going into this stuff. And is this the direction I want to go? And that's when some of the communication was breaking down. And, you know, it was like, I could, I could walk you through reading this book. And I had been familiar with Rockefeller habits and scaling up, you know, for over 10 years. So I, you know, and, and I, so I knew, you know, enough, but I was not certified as a business coach in, in, in those areas at the time. Um, and there was, you know, just some of the personality pieces and, you know, what the desires of, you know, different, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to navigate that. And I, and I know I threw my hands up in the air at one point and was like, we got to get some help. And, you know, and I remember 
there was a lot of pushback and tell me, you know, if I'm from, from family to say, you want to bring in a, a family business coach? I don't, you know, they, we don't need that. We just need to grow the business. Yeah. And, and there was uh, Jeff Samvlov. I had watched him at a Purposeful Planning Institute um, uh, seminar. It was, and he did this whole thing on uh, Metallica and family businesses. And I remember coming back to you guys and saying, well, if you're cooler than Metallica, then I guess you don't need Jeff Samloff. Yeah. <laughs> and that I think was the point that it was like, all right, if Metallica hired a, a business coach to help them, you know, and, and, and it was, it was a family business coach that, you know, that, that, that helped Metallica stay together. Um, and two, you know, Metallica's credit, not that we're, this is about Metallica, but they said, you know, if it wasn't for, that person, they would have gone the way of the Beatles. They would not have, they would not have made it through those things. And, you know, and if we look at where the family is today, you know, everybody's in a spot where they're a thousand percent happier doing the, doing what they're, you know, the, what they were meant to do. And, um, you know, if we look at, you know, Brian, like you were saying, you know, it was, it was you and your three brothers originally, and now, you know, since then, you know, so SES, you know, uh, Sessler Environmental Services has grown and all by itself has grown above that, that, that catapulted mark. You know, I don't want to, you know, it's well past a million dollars, surpassed the, you know, the, the $10 million mark. And it's put itself, you know, made its own mark and, you know, done something that, you know, very few companies do in the U.S. And you've done it twice. You had, you know, two different companies that have, that have done that. Talk about, um, Jane, from your perspective, bringing in Vern's boys, what was that like, you know, and they brought a different dynamic to, you know, to the company. They did. Both the Vern's boys are engineers. So they went to Penn State and Syracuse University obtained their engineering degrees and Laverne has his MBA and his engineering. So they brought a, uh, a different strength to the team for us. And Laverne was working in the New York City area is project management. So he is the last person, the last Sessler family to join the company, but he brought with him a wealth of experience and ideas from the same field. Um, Nick brought a lot of good engineering ideas and uh, a lot of let's go get them enthusiasm, um, which was very good. And what I say about those Saturday meetings is we're bringing everybody is that kudos to the family because we all showed up as painful as that would get as the band-aids were ripped off we were all there and we were frank, open and honest to move the company and the family forward. And, you know, you'd leave that meeting and two hours later, you're, you're at a ball game together or you're having a family dinner. So it, it is hard, most people know within a family business to try and separate the business from the family so that you can, that was frustrating, but hey, you want to go grab a beer? Do you want to go do this? Or, oh yeah, we're at your house tomorrow night. So nice. that was something my mother always did. Sunday family dinners 
and you couldn't talk about business till 7 p.m. Sunday night, you know, <laughs> when they'd all go into the office type thing. So that's very important on any family business is to find and to carve out that time that you don't bring um, the work into the family or know where that division is. But so those Saturday meetings, you know, giving up, we gave up a lot of Saturdays, but look what it did for us. It was very productive and it went right back to what Vernon Barb started in their early years of relying on consultants and other expertise to help with the planning. Um, right. You only know what you know, you need to bring it in. So bringing in Laverne and Nick to the fold of the Dan, the Brian, the Jeff and the Kevin, who were all boots on the ground at all times. And Laverne and Nick came from a different direction. And I have to say that I also have two children who followed their spouses cross countries and who are not active in the family business, but they're still a very important part of the Sessler family dynamic and understand all the companies. Yeah, you know, that's a really interesting point. And I wanna take that because I've met your kids and one of the things, you know, being, you know, being part of the Sessler family carries with it a level of responsibility and a level of pride that even though they're not working in the business, you know, when you, you know, when we run a family meeting and you have the, you know, have fam them there, they want to know what's happening in the business, not because they want to change anything or do anything or have a say in it, but it's, it's this, it's this pride that they have and that connection back to, you know, their, aunts and uncle, you know, their, their, their uncle, uh, uncles and their mom and dad and their grandparents. And so, you know, when you're part of a family business, even if you're not working in it, you still care. And I think yeah, that's- Absolutely. And we have uh, four grandsons. Boys are prominent within this family. And uh, one grandson wants to own a Bobcat company so he can rent to Sessler companies. The other one out in Omaha is going to start a new- you know, Midwest um, division for demolition. And the other one wants to own the railroad so it can help supply us. So all these boys, and even though they're not active in the day-to-day, -day, they understand it and they're a part of, and they're already thinking how they're going to be part of. Amazing. I want to come back to the grandkids in a second, Jane. But there was something else when in that 2015 Piece. There's there, there's the business part that we were doing a lot of transition and communication work and you know and scaling the business and figuring out where everybody was going to go. On top of that, though, there was some you know when I you know met you guys, Craig, Jane, and Vern. In order to be able to re, to leave the business and pass the legacy, you needed to know that you were personally going to be okay. And, and that, you know, was, there was a lot to that when I, if, and then correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember between the three of you, there was probably five or six different advisors that were at some level or another involved. And, you know, to, you know, for me, what I, what I, it was like, it was like being pulled in different directions. This one said this, this one said that. And, and it, you know, 
by the time we had gone through and unraveled everything, we looked, there were some opportunities that came from the planning process. There was some gaps that were inside of there. And, you know, and, and I'm, I'm talking about this because I think it's really important from a transition standpoint until those things were tied up nice and neat and, and, you, and you felt that there was the probability of success when, and probability of financial independence, even if you didn't own the company, you probably wouldn't have backed away. Do you wanna comment on that at all? You just wanna rip off that Band-Aid, don't you? No, no you're not too bad. <laughs> well, it, it was a difficult time. The company had taken a little bit of a downturn in 15 and 16. And then it quickly rebounded. But at that time, we're halfway through the transition. We're not sure where G3 is going to land um, or where the direction of the companies are. Are we, gonna, are we going to close down the wrecking and start a new sister company? So there are so many transitionals. And as you said, we have so many advisors. Um, we, we have three different legal companies. We have yourself, we have the CPA firm, and then we also had a CPA consultant. So yes, by the time you put them all together and stuff, but 2015-16 um, was very pivotal because it could have gone an entirely different direction. And instead, everybody pulled up the bootstraps and worked to find the best path forward and working with the different advisors and getting through the personalities and the expectations. Um, and that was the difficult part because G2 is, this is, is our life, right? And we need to make sure that our lifestyles are going to continue and that G3 understands you know, what our expectations are and what our needs are, the same as we need to understand theirs, yeah. right? So trying to make sure that, you know, are the buy-sells in place? Are the officer life insurances in place? Um, what do we need to do for transitions? How's it going to be? What are the tax impacts if we um, transfer or if we gift? Um, what's the best estate situation. And then every year it seems there's a different politician that wants to play with the estate tax. So that jumbles up all of your planning. Um, it, so it, yeah, but I think we're in an excellent spot right now, but 15 and 16, you know, five, six years ago was the pivotal point for the Sessler companies. And one of the things, you know, I want to just say thank you to the Sessler family myself, because when I entered working with the, the Sessler family, I would call myself a financial advisor, a wealth manager, um, you know, even pretty, high, you know, high level, because we did the estate and the tax planning, and, you know, we did, the, you know, the business transition, but it was still that field, Um I think through the years for myself is where we've grown to an outsourced family office where now we make sure that the trusts, you know, are taken care of and, you know, the, the transition and, 
you know, you guys forced me to become a business coach. I mean, you didn't force me, but it was like, it, it, it just, you know, I went out and got certified in a program so that, you know, I could talk the language and just help, you know, the family as much as possible. And Laverne the third um, said to me once, you know, Mike, you know, there's a book that I just read called The One Thing. Don't you think, you know, you do so much. Do Every time I say, you know, we need help in here and you say, oh, I can help with that. I need help over here. And you say, I can help with that. And um, so I sat down with Laverne a couple of months ago and I showed him our business plan and I showed him our, our process for serving a family. And I said, you know, and, and I, basically it was all about getting the family aligned making sure, you know, the focus on the family, focus on the finances and focus on the future are the, the three phases that we've developed. And a lot of it came from this relationship that I've had with you and several other clients, much like yourselves. And, and what I said to Laverne, I said, I do focus on the one thing. I focus on the family business. It just so happens there's there's a lot of stuff around there that somebody has to kind of pull all the spider webs together and be in the center of it so that you can talk between the, the contracts attorney and the tax attorney and the accountant and the 401k plan and, and, and the business, you know, the business coach. So I, you know, I, I really want to say thank you for the, the, the level of experience that you've taken our practice to through the years. And, you know, we have moved from, being financial advisors and wealth advisors to now it's this, you know, outsourced family office that includes coaching the businesses. And that's, you know, on that note, I've got two things, two things left that I want to hit on before we get done. Um, Brian, you know, you and your siblings and, and, and cousins um, are starting to think about, you know, the future and, you know, number one from 2015, to today, you know, we just finished 2021. The business has grown about four times. Is that about right? You know, and then that's just looking at you know, obsessed their companies, all of them. And I bet you, you know, Jane, I didn't even think about this, but if you start taking all of the enterprises, it's probably closer to five times because you, you throw in all the development and some of the other things that you've been doing. That's pretty impressive in five years. Um, Brian, what do you what are you guys talking about? What's the future look like for the Sessler companies? What do you guys envision over the next twenty years? Well, so it's funny because we're in the middle of a bunch of uh, uh, talking and strategic planning and everything else. But but the general um, gist of what my generation feels for the future is we don't we don't need to be the biggest. Okay. We're not out there to be the biggest the demolition company, the biggest environmental company. Um, we just want to be the best. And in order to be the best, you know, we know we need to hire the best employees that we can out there. And so we're strictly, fo you know, we focus so much on who we can hire, who's who's available and everything else, because that's the only way we're going to we're going to do it. So our future, you know, um, I I. I applaud, you know, my partners, you know, my generation so much, because if you look across, across the mall, you know, as I'm, I'm the oldest, um, I just, I look down and there's not a single one of them that, that 
I could say is, you know, a drag on the company or, you know, is a downer on the company. They, every single one of them brings, and it's, it's really funny to look at, but everybody's got that unique, that unique ability to assist and thrust the company forward. Um, and it, 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 it varies so much between sales and engineering and, you know, a, a mind for the finances. And it, there's just so many different um, areas that my, my partners, my generation excels at. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it makes me smile when I think about it. And then when we couple that with the team that we've put in place, it's, it's, you know, we have no choice but to go forward and be successful. You know, it's, <laughs> it's just going to happen. That's awesome. And Jane, in order to help them with their success, you talked about you've got four grand grandsons, and I happen to know a, a project that you know I had talked to you about, and then you just went on your you just went with this. And we call it the grandparent grandchild philanthropy project. Um, talk about what you did with your grandsons a little bit around that, because I want to I want to tie in you know, where I see, you know, that can be really helpful to a family enterprise. My husband and I started a um, philanthropy fund, like a foundation. And within, with those monies, I allocated, I have two children and they each have two um, children. So I had set up a program where I allocate 5,000 to each family and that they're allowed to uh, make recommendations for grants to these different organizations and that the parents can, but the kids as well. So each of the kids are allowed to make um, a $250 donation to an organization of their choice. But in order to do it, they need to handwrite out their application. Very simple. They need to either volunteer at that organization or attend a meeting. They also need to do a poster about why they want to support this organization. And then they present it at our um, family meeting, annual meeting. So when you have a seven-year-old that stands up and explains why he wants to support the YMCA to give sports equipment to kids that can't afford to play baseball, you know, and they have the pictures and it makes them understand and they care about their communities and they care about others that um, <laughs> we were all together over New Year's and one of the nine-year-olds, because there's two sevens and two nines, one of the nine-year-olds said, Nana, can we start making our requests for this year? I've got my list all set. I know who I want, right? So the kids understand it and they get excited. And we develop a listing of all of the different organizations and what they do. And each family just a, two weeks ago went through and discussed what the impact they had because some are in the Midwest somewhere on the East Coast. So it's just about volunteering community service, looking out for others and to know about the legacy that you individually can leave. Love it. Now, now watch this and tell me if, you, if you're seeing this, the, you've got nine and seven, they had to communicate in front of the, the family. So now they have communication skills that they're building. 
They have critical thinking that they're, that they're doing at nine and seven to determine why I want to give to this organization. They have to be, you know, do some volunteer work. So now they're stretching themselves to either be at a meeting or be in front of, you know, people that are much older than them around this piece and, and developing leadership, you know, skills, because that's what's happening there. Brian, if I'm not mistaken, if you're looking to hire new employees, aren't you looking for somebody that can be critically, you know, do their own critical thinking, um, has good communication skills and good leadership skills? 100%. Do you understand where this is going? And Jane, I'll throw a, a project to you, a little curveball towards you. Somewhere between now and age 10, 11, get the four boys, even though they're in different parts of the country, to choose a charity together and make them work as a team. Absolutely. And, and that, and so then you can start to build that team building piece along, alongside of that. So Michael, not just within my family, but the extended Sessler family, we come together for a weekend in the summer, mandatory Sessler family attendance, right? <laughs> Fun time, another Saturday <laughs> meeting, right? Um, and we do make it fun. But one thing I incorporated this last year was for each of, you know, my nieces and nephews and grandsons to develop a poster about all the things they did this past year. So whether it was skiing or ice skating or rollerblading or baseball or hockey or lacrosse or soccer to, and then they stood up in front of the 60, 70 family members and they presented their poster and talked about what they did, right? So even though it wasn't about um, making financial donations, it was about gathering the information, presenting it, and then speaking in front of the group. And I think Brian, you'll agree, they all did an excellent job. You know, even the youngest at four was awesome. there. You know, every single one had their poster with either glitter or whatever, but, you know, and we'll do that again this summer. It's just to keep generation four involved into the family and make sure they're coming up through as well. Incredible. Nice, nice, nicely done. Um, I know, and I think, you know, we shared an email that said I could do this podcast with you guys for about five hours. Um, we've gone over time. Um, I guess the the, the, we'll wrap up with a couple of things, but one, you know, we know there's going to be obstacles in your future, Brian, in G3 will experience obstacles. You know, what are some of the lessons that you've learned from G2 to make sure that, you know, you guys work to overcome those obstacles? Yeah. I mean, integrity, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, and, and lean on other people as, uh, as Aunt Jane was mentioning, you know, we're going to come up with a lot of lot of issues that we don't know the answer for, and 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 fortunately we have a network network of uh, consultants that we can reach out to, and and just we got to rely on each other uh, as uh, as uh, uh, partners uh, to help get us through the uh, obstacles that not if they come but when they come because <laughs> it seems like every week there's a new one. Right, exactly, especially in these times. Um, and then let's just, we'll wrap up with um, each of you. If you're talking to 
the transitioning generation, Jane, somebody that's getting ready to go to transition? What are the, you know, what are your, your two or three words of wisdom for them and Brian for the rising generation who's getting ready to, to be, you know, part of the transition? What are your words of wisdom to them? them? So I, Brian, I'll let you go first and then Jane, you can take us out. I could really sum it up in two words, um, but uh, be humble and, and be patient. You know, it takes time. It's going to be stressful. Uh, you know, everybody's head's going to be in a, in a, in a different place, you know, and it's, it's going to be really good to have the open line of communication and, and be honest, be honest with yourself and be honest with, with the other generation so they can understand where your head's at and, and hopefully they're honest with you so they know where they're at. And, and, uh, and the one thing you got to keep in mind is, is if, if you're entering into a transition process, uh, it just means that everybody has the same goal in mind. They want the family business to, to keep moving forward. So when you have that common goal, you know, you just, you can figure out a way to get there. You'll, you'll see the path. Just stay humble and be patient. Love it. Jane? I, what I would say to G3 is that you are being given a torch and that torch involves integrity, family pride, and also legacy. And that those three things you need to carry forward for multiple generations to make sure that the Sessler legacy that your grandparents started continues. And to what would you advise to uh, somebody that's getting ready to transition the business to, you know, that's to the, to their, to the next generation, what advice would you give to another family business member that's getting ready to do it? The same thing that Brian just said, be humble, be mindful, be open, right? Um, open dialogue is important and expect pushback because um, everybody has a is their own idea of how it should go. And don't be afraid to rely on your consultants to help you wrap it up and move it forward. Because, you know, Mike, you and your father before you have been instrumental in our family and our company's transition. And we thank you for that. No problem. Um, I want to say thank you to Sessler Companies and to Jane Schaefer and Brian Sessler. My name is Michael Columbus. I'm with Family Wealth and Legacy. You've been listening to the Family Biz Show, and we really enjoyed having you with us. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss the next episode of the Family Biz Show. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Family Biz Show. We appreciate your time and trust to deliver the best guests and most cutting-edge information to help you maximize your family business. Being part of a family is tough. Add a business to that, and it gets even tougher. Tune in next week as we strive to ease your journey with The Family Biz Show. The content presented is for informational and educational purposes. The information covered and posted are views and opinions of the guests and not necessarily those of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Michael Columbus is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker dealer, 
member SIPC, and registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Financial Affiliates and other fine companies. Family Wealth and Legacy LLC is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.